You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, and we're back to Mondays with Mike, Michael Carpenter joining us now, and we got a lot to chat about, Carp, and catch up about as Illinois basketball is number four in the initial net rankings, number 12 in this week's AP poll uh, after just one game last week, uh, take care of business against Purdue after another slow start and a slow start to the second half as well, and we will talk about the big debate that I think you are at the forefront of for Illinois basketball, which we'll chat about, uh, and then of course a lot of comings and goings with Illinois football. Football, whether it's players declaring for the draft coming back or the three hires we have so far on Monday at 11 a.m. And I expect many more hires for Brett Bielema here. But uh, Happy New Year, Carp. How's 2021 treating you so far? Does it feel any different? No, not really. I thought the arbitrary calendar change would actually have more of an impact. But maybe it's the cold weather and not really being able to go out and do much of anything still. But it was nice if you compare January 2nd from this year to last year. Last year at Michigan State, January 2nd, didn't go so well. You lost by 20. Now, granted, Purdue, they had a 19 nothing run, so they, they made it look interesting for a bit. But you start off the Big Ten season 4-1. and one. There are issues I'm sure that we'll talk about. But overall, when you get a net ranking of 4, I think 7 in the Ken Palm, 12 in the AP, you know, I, I think it's just the matter of expectations have made me and other fans look at this team with you know, a microscope or under a microscope. And those flaws are all the more glaring when there are still many good things that this team is doing. We've gotten to the point, Carp, where you and I can come on this podcast right now, probably for the next two years, and not talk about the macro, right? You know, we can talk about it with the staff and whether we think Tony Peterson's the right offense coordinator with his background. We'll figure all that stuff out, but it's going to take time to figure out, right? With, with Illinois basketball, sure, we can debate about class of 2021 and, and whether, like, they'll be Maryland in a couple years, right? But they already have, like, this great freshman class right now. It, it's a good time right now for Illinois basketball where you now have first-world problems, right? Like, th- these, are, these are micro problems we're talking about, whether you should start Curbelo or not. Like, this is what you wanted to get to. Right. Or where it's not like, are we talking about should Lovey Smith be the head coach? Should John Gross or Brad Underwood uh, be the coach? We're talking about Illinois basketball. What's the little things that could make them a Final Four contender, Big Ten contender, instead of finishing second or third in the Big Ten and finishing a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's a far cry from basically the entirety of our conversation back at 93.5. And that lasted about a decade right. where every single basketball season we get into mid February and say, well, if they do this, this, and this. They might make the tournament. (laughs) And more often than not, they didn't. So here we are talking about, well, if they can just, you know, finish second, third, even, well, God, win the Big Ten, we're looking at a really high seed in the NCAA tournament. And you hit on something, too, that I think, if anything, the game against Purdue, as messy as it was, really highlighted that this freshman class, while parts of it have been up and down, you tell me that I got Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller, who I think will come around, and even a Coleman Hawkins, who is so raw, but I think there's some skill there, too. Yeah, we don't need to worry so much about the macro. It does feel like a program that maybe they won't be competing for a Big Ten title next year with all the guys that you are likely to lose. 
but they're going to be a tournament team. It seems like things have stabilized to a point where we can do the micro thing and not have to worry about, um, is this coach the guy or, um, is this program stagnant? I, I don't think those are questions we really need to worry about, at least for a couple years. And I, I'm going to just enjoy being in this period where we don't have to worry about that. Well, I always like the conversation with you, Carp, because sometimes I can see your Twitter feed and I'm like, man, enjoy this ride, right? Because oh, and I, I, am. I, am. I, I, I see this game and, and I see you like nitpicking <laughs> and it's understandable, right? Like you're greedy and I totally agree. You should be greedy when you get a team like this because this is one of those rare opportunities, especially of recent history, where Illinois has a chance to be a Big Ten title winner. That hasn't happened in 16 years, right? So when you have the chance, you want to make the most of it or you have a chance to be a Final Four team. Um, so you want to make sure this team is like, It'd be great if they were winning against Purdue by 20. But I almost find like those games, the last couple of games against Indiana and Purdue, where they're able to battle back, they're able to overcome some flaws and find a way to win by eight or nine points, right? Like that's a good Big Ten win, especially in this conference where 12 of the top 51 and I think both the Ken Palm net rankings, ESPN BPI, like there, I don't think there's going to be a lot of those wins where you're like, Man, that that was unbelievable. We're the number one team in the country. Um, you know, Minnesota win looks really, really good right now, by the way, with oh, yeah. clobbering them. But I just don't think that's going to happen a lot. So I, I like the fact that you're able to win these kind of games, even at home, um, by three possessions against some teams that are going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, and as I look back at this season, I think the Duke game was an early indication that this team has the ability to throw the counterpunch. And we saw that in that Duke game, for example, you build a lead and then Duke gets it within eight, they get it within seven, and then you go on a five, six, nothing run. And as we see in the Purdue game, a 19, nothing run by Purdue, which don't do that again. You know, and I think the right. bigger concern is that Purdue, we would probably agree is the lower tier of the big 10. That is a young team and not all that talented compared to the upper echelon. Like teams. you can't do that against Rutgers and Iowa and expect to win. No. Right. Like, no, so you can't. That, that, that is the concerns. And I understandably so. Yeah. And that's why I think when I look at the team right now, I, I said after the Rutgers game, we got an eight game stretch where go eight. No. And we'll talk Big Ten title. Well, of course, after they beat Penn State and Indiana, I'm talking Big Ten title again, because you see these flashes that um, there was a Twitter account at Big Ten geek or something. And they took the words right out of my mouth. This Illinois team seems to have the highest ceiling of anyone in the Big Ten. We know Wisconsin's experienced. I still think Illinois might be more talented at the end of the day. And they have the best player in the league, I think, uh, at least 1A, 1B with Luka Garza in Iowa. They are more talented. And, they are more talented than Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin's right. got Wisconsin's got their system. They got good players, like really good players. Illinois' top two players, and maybe their top three, uh, if you put Curbelo in there, are probably better than, than Wisconsin's. Yeah, so there's this sense that if all comes together, if they can coalesce here, then they can win the Big Ten title. And I think that when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I would take solace in the fact that, hey, even if they don't win a Big Ten title, this team will make a deep run. But as you often talked about, and I think this is this has kind of shifted my perspective about would you rather have a Big Ten title or a deep tournament run? If you win Big Ten titles, the deep tournament runs are going to come. It's a single elimination tournament. And I don't, with this team, want to hang my hat on a crapshoot. I want them to have something tangible that at the end of the season, we can say the 2021 Illinois basketball team, they did this more than just saying they got back to the tournament, which is great more than just, ah, they finished in the top four of the big 10. That's great as well. But you mentioned that getting greedy with this kind of team makes sense because of 
a guy like Io and the way that Kofi's playing and also the way that Crabello is playing, because I know plus minus is not a perfect stat, but we're starting to see some pretty crazy numbers behind the difference when he's on the court. I think it's almost a shame that the, the last really, really good team for Illinois was 0405 because that's such a high standard. Right? It's, such, it's such a high standard. And, and you know, 88, 89, I, I think this team isn't as deep uh, as, as 01, right? Where, where you get to an Elite Eight. Um, it might have more comparability maybe to 0304, even though, or 0203, I think, even though they're not as young as that team, but there's a youth element, right? Um, so I, I feel like it's kind of those early 2000s teams. Like that would be a better comp uh, for this team because they don't have as many veteran good players uh, as, as 05, right? Um, they're not as deep, especially in the front court as 01. Uh, so it's kind of a mix of that, but I do think there's a Big Ten title contender. I, I still think, like you, this team has the highest ceiling and maybe the highest floor along with Wisconsin because I just don't see them going on a losing streak. I, I, I just think you see against Indiana, Purdue, Penn State – that this team's probably going to take care of business against the bottom half. The question is, um, you know, if, if they win four of the next five or five in the next six, right, what do they do against Iowa? What do they do against Wisconsin? I think Michigan is getting into that conversation as a Big Ten title contender. Uh, what do they do against those teams? The good part is, Carp, you don't play a lot of those teams very often on this schedule. So I think all of that, I, I, I still think at 8-3, and 4-1 and one start, I, I still think this team is as likely as any uh, to get a Big Ten championship in the Big Ten and in a loaded Big Ten. Yeah, I would agree with that. You mentioned the early 2000s teams, and keep in mind, those were shared Big Ten titles in 01 and 02. And it took everything that that team had, and we're talking Frank Williams, Corey Bradford, all those guys that, you know, those are some of my favorite Illini teams. They had to labor to get that title in what was a Big Ten that, you know, Michigan State was still very good, but that was post-national title. I think Wisconsin might have shared one of those as well. Indiana with Mike Davis as the coach, they had some pretty good teams back then. So, yeah, I never expected it to be easy right? And I certainly didn't expect this to be 0405. I think that it is the sort of the way that this team kind of plays in fits and starts. And when they are going, as we saw at Penn State after trailing 19 to four, the rest of that game dominant. Purdue, they had dominant stretches and still won by eight points despite a 19 nothing Purdue run. So in a weird way, it's these bad stretches that are further highlighting how good this team is when they're on, which makes you say, okay, Use this eight-game stretch, of which right now you are 3-0. Mm -hmm. Use this eight-game stretch to become more cohesive. So when you get to that stretch of Iowa, Michigan State, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, at Indiana, that's kind of the five-game stretch that will ultimately determine it. But you don't want to stub your toe at Northwestern. Ranked or not, that's a game you got to win. Similar to Maryland at home on a Sunday. These are games that you just have to win in order to stay pace with what is still a pretty good top tier of the Big Ten. Yeah, I know uh, Ken Palm has Illinois projected, you know, as the favorite for the next, let's see, I think eight games. Um, but if you get four of the next five, I mean, you expect to stub your toe in the Big Ten. It's, it's going to happen with one of those. But if, if you come out seven and one out of that eight-game stretch you're talking about, Carb, I'd feel pretty good. Uh, if you go eight, no, of course you're you're the lead dog, uh, and and you can afford to to lose some of those tough games and and lose you know to, at home to Iowa and still have a chance to to win the Big Ten. 
And, and a fringe benefit of being in the race again is that I'm watching, I watched the entirety of the Rutgers-Iowa game. And that would be Great something stuff. that even in an off year for Illinois, I'd be tuning in maybe for the last 10 minutes, something like that. But I'm watching it closely because I've, I know there's something on the line here. I'm rooting for Rutgers, not just because it's Iowa, but because I don't want Iowa to get one of those plus ones on the road that Sean Harrington talks about. And, and it has been 15 years since Illinois has been in a title race, but I can distinctly recall scoreboard watching and checking out all these other games on ESPN Plus, that was the like local affiliate back then, and hoping that these competitors would be losing those road games yeah. so Illinois can maybe sneak out another Big Ten title. And unlike 0405, the Big Ten is good, right? Like yep. there was no comp- like Michigan State was thirteen and three that year, but I mean Illinois was undefeated. They were going to win the Big Ten that entire year, right? Um, this is a year where you know Iowa was really good. That's why you hate them right? Like, you know, Wisconsin is capable of just finding a way to get to 15, 14 wins again. And, and I think, I think Illinois fans respect the hell out of Rutgers based on the games they've had here recently. Uh, and then I, I think Michigan has put together a really good roster. Um, some of the transfers they've had, I've been really impressed. And I think Franz Wagner might be the best NBA prospect um, eventually in, in this class. So, but you got Iowa that's taking this game to another level. Kofi, it's taking this game to another level. And a freshman point guard, Carp, who I think is probably the fan favorite on a team that has Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but you are the lead dog here of <laughs> getting Carbello in the starting lineup. Um, I, I've given my thoughts on this, Carp, but why is that so important to you right now? This could all. This is all subject to change. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying if the current starting five figures it out, and they've shown in certain games this year, at Duke being the big one, where they came out strong, and then you bring Andre Corbello in, and you just kind of keep that momentum rolling. So I'm fine with the starting five if they can figure it out. I think we just see that in the half-court offense especially, if they don't get it running early, it is a very stagnant offense. Io seems to be more of a closer than a starter, and that's fine. He's trying to feel his way through the game, get other bring guys Bring Io off the bench, Carp is saying. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, Trent Frazier, as much as he's been tremendous defensively, his shooting percentage is up. He's not so much of a, of a facilitator, excuse me. And Adam Miller, we know his struggles. Now, I think that can turn around, and if it does, you can probably stay status quo with your starting five because DeMonte and Kofi, they're doing what they do. The reason that I would argue that Andre Corbello should start first and second half is that I would argue while I want him finishing the game, there's a way to also have him start both halves and really get that momentum going and establish other guys offensively. You see how good Kofi is when Andre Corbello is on the court. You see even how good Iowa plays off of him and thinking, okay, just start him, figure out the rotations as the game goes along. He can't play 35 minutes. That's fine but he can play 30. And I think that eight of those should be the opening stretches of the first and second half because against the better teams, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you cannot be a combined 23 to four lead for Purdue. If you look at the first four minutes of each half, 23 to four, that can't happen against better Big Ten teams. And if you want to win a Big Ten title, eventually that will bite you unless the starting five figures it out. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, Carp, um, I, I get the conversation. Right, because if this does come back to bite you, and you continue to get off to slow starts at the beginnings of each half, you're going to have to eventually make a change. And, and Curbelo getting into the starting lineup obviously makes the most sense. You are better when he is on the court. Uh, all of the stats say it. Um, I think he's got the best plus-minus on the team. Your offensive efficiency is is through the roof uh, when he is on the court. Uh, he is one of your big three. Right. The reason I don't think you have to do it now, this single moment, is because it hasn't hurt you. Right, like the games you've gotten off to a slow start are Minnesota, Penn State, 
I think Indiana and Purdue. And you've won all of them. Now, maybe you've won it despite it, right? But like, I do think there is a lot of value in bringing Curbelo off the bench. And there could be um, a price to pay for not bringing him off the bench. Because unlike last year when they made that move with Feliz, you still had Alan Griffin coming off the bench. And Alan Griffin at that point had proven he brings energy and he's immediate scoring. And you also had rebounding with him, right? So you still had this this firepower off the bench and Georgie ended up being better off the bench. So, you know, Georgie gives you energy, but if Adam Miller, you know, is the guy you send to the bench, I don't think he's, I, I think that hurts him. Right? I, I don't know if he rebounds from that, and I think that's part of why Brad hasn't made the move yet. Or if you put Trent Frazier on the bench, I think your defense really suffers uh, at the beginning of games. Um, and I, I just don't think, is he going to add the same firepower offensively, which is weird to say, given the start of his career. But uh, I just I worry about the impact it could have on your bench. I worry about the impact it could have on Adam Miller. And I just don't think you have to do it now. Now, if it continues and it costs you games, I agree. At some point, you're going to have to to make that move. And I, I, I doubt Brad Underwood has not spent one second thinking about it, like he said. Uh, he's just trying to support it. But right now, it's working. But it is one of those small concerns you have about a top 12 team that if this doesn't correct itself um, and it costs you in the coming games, at some point, you do have to think about making that change. I will say, for what little it's worth, I test alone, there was a confidence with which Adam Miller played in the second half against Purdue. And I'm hoping that has some sort of carryover effect. And he does strike me as someone that if that confidence can come back, he'll be fine. And maybe we'll get early or sorry, uh, late November, Adam Miller, as opposed to what we've been getting. And I agree that, yeah, it hasn't hurt them yet. The only thing, and this is apples and oranges, is occasionally you'll see on Twitter, Mitch Trubisky win-loss record. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, But he's still Mitch Trubisky, right? Yeah. That, that doesn't, that kind of... Uh, covers the blemish a little bit. It's, it's sort of like, you know, putting makeup on, what is it? You can't put lipstick on a pig. I, I don't know. I'm kind of going all over with these cliches here. The point being that with Andre Corbello on the court, you said it, and the stats would back this up. You are having your best five when Andre Corbello is on the court. And as we see Thursday night or Sunday against Maryland at home, if this continues, I hope that change is made. I, I don't want to see a game situation where you lose by a point or two against a team that you probably shouldn't. And we look back at those opening stretches of the first and second half. This team has other issues, free throw shooting, turnovers. Um, you don't lose any game because of one specific reason. But I think you can make it a little bit easier on yourself if you make that change. But I understand the concerns about Adam Miller and what that does mentally to him if you say, all right, you're starting five positions lost, you're coming off the bench. Or it could loosen him up. Yeah. I don't know. All right, when we come back, Carp, let's talk uh, quickly about football, some staff hires, get your thoughts on those, and players coming and going. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Carp. Um, I don't know how into the football staff hiring because a lot of times you, a lot of fans, like the average fan, probably has never heard of a lot of these guys, um, and they're disappointed when they don't hear like Chris Ash or somebody that they've heard of before. Uh, but so far, three hires for Brett Bielma. Again, we're recording this Monday uh, at 11 a.m. Tony Peterson, your offense coordinator; Bart Miller, your offensive line coach; and Tank Wright as your strength and conditioning coach, and he replaces Lou Hernandez, who I know fans loved, um, but it's not a surprise to see Bielma hire a guy he knows well uh, in Tank Wright. So a- any thoughts so far on, on the staff he's accrued? I The Tony Peterson thing I think is sneaky good, and I'm a little bit biased because I remember those Minnesota teams, and give me the Glenn Mason Minnesota program. Give me the seven wins a year, even if three of them are against cupcakes, and then you just are a 500 Big Ten team. I'll take I, it. And- I went back to those stats. Those offenses were so good. Now, it's a different Big Ten. Tony runs different stuff now. Sure. but the, the, how, Why they ever fire Glenn Mason in the first place is is ridiculous. Seven of eight bowls. They were entertaining to watch. Their run game was great. Their passing game was, was pretty complimentary. Um, so I, I went back, and I'm like, I wasn't into Big Ten football really at that point. Man, that was a fun program at that time. Yeah, and it's a name that I understand why we weren't super excited upon hearing it, but you mentioned it, and I think the reaction podcast to it, that an eclectic offensive coordinator, and he's shown an ability to be flexible. I love the fact that most of his successes seem to come when he's got good running backs, and Illinois will have that next year, and a good offensive line. And that alone makes me think that next year's team, as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they'll win a few games because based on that running game alone. Uh, but that if he does have a good quarterback underneath him, he can work with it. Bart Miller, like everybody else, you see the opening press conference, and he's just the kind of dude that you want running the offensive line. He's an old-school offensive line coach who's young and is going to get after it on the recruiting trail. Sign me. Yep, yep. And, and with the Illinois connections up at Elk Grove, I believe. Tank Wright, all-name team, but he's got some credentials too. I think defensive line coach coming over from, was it Army that he was just at? Yeah, so, uh, and strength strength and conditioning coach. I understand that Lou Hernandez and Harry Black is a big fan of his, along with anyone that's ever worked under Lou. But it, it does make sense that when you have a new coach, these are the things that are going to happen. It'll be interesting to see if anybody is retained. I don't know if Corey Patterson is sort of the pick to click for that. And that, you mentioned Chris Ash. You know, by the time this podcast comes out, who knows, right? I mean, there are, I think, still going to be one or two hires that happen, whether they be splash hires or something with an Illinois connection that gets fans a little bit more excited than a Tony Peterson, who's sort of been the, I don't know, kind of uh, the journeyman Mm -hmm. coordinator that I think is still a pretty good hire. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think we're going to hear about this stuff soon from what I heard. Um, He had his... He had a pretty good idea of who his DC was going to be going into the weekend. It sounds like that should be done pretty soon. So I, I don't know who it is. I don't know uh, whether, you know, Mike Bellamy, Corey Patterson, Andrew Hayes Stoker, I said, uh, I heard got an interview um, or, you know, Jimmy Lindsay, could he stay on? Uh, we'll see. But uh, uh, Brett Bielma, I think, has some pretty good options. He's got a lot of money to work with, too. So I am interested to see uh, who he brings in here. Uh, as for the players, before we get out of here, Carp, returners, Brandon Peters. Bit of a surprise, to be honest with you. And and my thought on that, 
uh, I hope there's a competition. I hope there's a competition. It does sound like Peterson would prefer a guy with experience and somebody that can uh, throw the ball a little bit more. And hey, if Peters wins the job, he earns the job. Uh, but I don't think you should be beholden to him. Like I think the last staff was a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, offensive line, you do return so a lot of experience. Now, how good are they going to be without Kendrick Green? I'm not sure, but having low Kramer and Palcheski back is nice. And getting a special specialist unit back is is not. Um, you know, not insignificant. Blake Cage, James McCourt, Ethan Tabell all back. Uh, but your defense is taking definitely taking a hit. Kendrick Green's the best player who's leaving. But Owen Carney, I, I don't know if he's going to be all Big Ten player caliber again. I had one great game and then a solid year. He enters the transfer portal. Jake Hansen's the biggest loss on defense. Mule Leifler leaving. Nate Hobbs is gone. And I know he didn't have a good year, but he was a starter for a reason. And right now you have three scholarship linebackers returning, three scholarship uh, cornerbacks returning uh, and you're still waiting on decisions from Isaiah Gay, Roderick Perry, Tony Adams on defense. So the defense was bad this year. Um, and you know, you need to upgrade talent, but also Illinois has a lot of holes to fill. Uh is going to be very, very busy in the transfer portal. Yeah. And I, I gotta be honest. I assumed the defense was going to be all that good to begin with. And that next yeah. year's success is going to be based on scoring a lot of points, which I think they might be able to do. I'm, I'm optimistic that with that line coming back and Peters, I'm not, the biggest fan simply because of how the how last season it seemed like anytime there was a spark on offense it came from Isaiah Williams but your quarterback room is better for having Brandon Peters in it if he wasn't here then you were fully reliant on Isaiah Williams or a transfer I think that you could do far worse than Brandon Peters there so when it comes to the defense you know new scheme alone not trying to you know kick Lubby on the way out or anything but there was even a comment during the Bears Packers game yesterday where Valvis Scantling got past the linebacker and they made a sort of disparaging comment about Tampa too. And it's like, yeah, that's a little, little too, little too soon right now because we're all too familiar with it. And I yeah. think that despite the lack of talent on defense, I'll, I'll be excited to see who the DC hire is. And if that scheme can somehow polish a turd for lack of a better phrase there, because this is going to, going to be a defense that at a minimum is going to lack depth and it's going to take a lot of impact guys in the transfer market for, for them to be, even in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. I mean, Bielma's got a tough job. Like, I think we all get to acknowledge yeah. that, right? Like, this is a very tough job. He's taken over a roster that I think has some pieces to maybe win a little bit more early than Lovey did, uh, but not that many, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, you're coming off a two and six season. You, you know, won a couple games in a row the year before, but this still, uh, this roster needs a lot of work, and especially on the defensive side. So uh, he's got a lot of work cut out for him, but we'll see what he can do. Anything else you want to add, Carp, before we get out of here? No, other than the hashtag start Crabello train. I mean, that, that got going on Saturday. I, I don't ever want to be that hot take artist. I don't want to ever take up a cause, you know. And I think that Thursday's game against Northwestern really intrigues me because as bad as they looked against Michigan, we know how the Big Ten is. And it is a game-by-game -game proposition. And Northwestern's still Northwestern's still going to finish under 500. Right, like this is a good, a great start for them, and I'm not trying to take anything away. They are far better, but I don't see them winning ten Big Ten games. So this is still a game. Like you go steal this road win, and and for me, it's not stealing one when you're Illinois, right? And you're a Big no, Ten no. title contender. Uh, you got to go win this game. You're more talented. It, it, it's one of those games I don't look forward to because if you win, it's more of a sigh of relief than anything. Most and if games you lose, are you know, this be a disaster. Yeah, most games are this year, unless you're winning by 20, which is why everyone's like, ah, they only won by eight or nine against Purdue and Indiana, because like you're, you're just waiting to see like, yes, we are a national title contender when, you know, national title contenders win games by three possessions on the road in the Big Ten or at home in the Big Ten. 
and at the other teams in the Big Ten that you're competing for a title, they've all had their moments yep. too. Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan hasn't really been tested to the same extent, so I'm anxious to see them when they face some better teams. But overall, you're where you want to be. You only have one loss in the Big Ten on the road against a really good Rutgers team. Avoid stubbing your toe if you can, and then when we enter late January, that's going to be it for the Big Ten title race. All right, Carb. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too. We'll see you. All right. Great stuff, as always, with Mike Carpenter. I'm about to get on a Zoom call here with Tank Wright, the new strength and conditioning coach, as well as all of the specialists returning. We'll have all that content for you at IlliniInquire.com. If you don't already, subscribe to the podcast, just wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. If you want to hop on the VIP side of things, you can do that. we got an update on Wes Cardit, the four-star 2021 guard up on the site right now from our guy, Deshaun London. So check that out. Just $1 for your first month of VIP membership, or you can get 30% off an annual subscription. Joey Wagner will join us and start writing this weekend for us. We can't wait for that. we got a lot of football content this week, likely with staff hires. We'll have the latest for you on that when we get it and uh, the latest on basketball as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.